to you this morning about hope. We're going to continue our series entitled Anchored. I love the writer of Hebrews 7. He said, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. We, we started this series last week. If you, if you want to, I had an opportunity to be here, you can catch it online. You can stop by our resource center. You can get a CD of it. Uh, I guarantee you, you want to have a copy of what God here, did here at Calvary last Sunday morning. We talked about the fact that, that an anchor, just as the, as the two flukes of the anchor, God says this. He says, in this we have hope. And what it is, it's his vows. God tells us who he is right? He makes these declarations about himself. And then his promises, and his promises is what he offers to us. And in the Word of God, there are over 7,000 promises, and God keeps each and every one of those. This issue of, of hope. But here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that for so many that we struggle with grabbing hold of God's hope, because we have a misperception of what, what hope is. And so here's my prayer today. My prayer today is this, is that God would give us a wonderful, fresh perspective on this thing called hope. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, the first chapter, Paul writes, and he says this at the beginning of 1 Peter, he says, to God's elect, Right? And then he mentions a, just a number of different places in, in, in the region in which he sends this, this pastoral letter. He, he's writing about, about AD 64. And, and he's writing to a group of people who they are profound in their faith. But they're also, they're, they're facing some challenges. And so he, he writes them to give them perspective. Perspective. Perspective is a, is a powerful thing. And, th and there are times that if we're not careful, even when we're looking, our perspective can be skewed. You may notice this. When you get in your car and you, and you look out that, that, that rearview mirror, there's a, there's a saying that's etched into most rearview mirrors. What does it say? Come on, help me. Objects in mirror are closer than they appear right? Objects in mirror. Anybody have that on your car? Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. Do you know why that is? It's because the mirror is designed in such a way to give you a broader view. But what happens is that broader view will skew perspective. And that's the way that the life happens so often. When we, when we have a, a certain view, it, it, can, it can skew our perspective. This is the reason why, friends, it is so important that we spend time with God's people, that we spend time in God's presence, that we spend time in God's Word, because what it does is it helps give us a healthy perspective, especially in those moments when we need hope. Remember Tom Hanks' movie, Castaway? When his best friend becomes a volleyball, right? One of the great lines is when he tells, the, when he tells Wilson, his new friend, says, you know, come to think of it, my dentist's name was James Spaulding. 
Maybe you guys know one another, right? When, when, when the volleyball is drifting out to sea, Wilson, I'm, I'm sorry. Come back. Tom Hanks' character, Chuck Nolan, he talks about the point at which he lost all hope. It's easy for that to happen. My, my Sunday mornings normally begin, I, I get up, I get ready for the day, uh, and then I, I come to the church and I spend time uh, in prayer with the pastors. That was, was not my morning today. My, my morning routine was interrupted um, because we had a situation at the church here, well, a situation connected to the church. And um, I started the day today knocking on the door of a man who had lost all hope. Knocked several times, no answer. Finally, his wife answers the door and says, he'll be out in a minute. Came through the door. I don't know if I've seen eyes more bloodshot from a drunken weekend than I ever have in my life. And I, I've been around that. I, I grew up in that world. But it wasn't, it wasn't the bloodshot in the eyes that gripped me. It was that sense of hopelessness. A man who, who grew up in the church, a, a man who, who knows the promises of God. But Scripture says this. It says, Paul, Paul wrote this. He said, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Can I ask you a personal question this morning? What are the truths of God that you have exchanged for a lie? Truths that God has spoken over you. Promises that God has given His children. Principles that God has called you to live out. A path that He has for you. And you've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Maybe you've even gone the next step and, and you, you've got to where you're worshiping the created things rather than the Creator. And you find yourself at a place where those created things, earthly institutions, temporal opportunity, are beginning to ring very hollow, or, 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 or maybe it's become painfully apparent that they don't offer you the peace, the promise, or the pleasure that you're looking for. False hope is a massive prison 
God doesn't want us to walk that way. He doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to live with a a real understanding of hope. But it's easy for it to get skewed, isn't it? It's easy for it to get skewed. And and it's easy for that to happen when we get get sucked into easy believism. Right? If you just have enough faith, whatever you believe, you will receive. That sounds good, doesn't it? Except for when it doesn't work. Right? Have you ever really believed in something that you didn't receive? Anybody? Just me? Have you ever prayed for something and you didn't get it? Right? Have you ever had somebody tell you that you didn't get it because you don't have enough faith? Or you didn't get it because you've got some sin in your life? See, obviously, God is perfect. And so if if, if things don't work out the way that they should, then it must be that there's something wrong with me. And so we come into God's house and we sing songs like, your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, O God. And even when we get beyond the issue of questioning God, It's real tough. It's really tough to get beyond questioning ourselves. God, I I know that you are there and I know that you're real. I know that you're all powerful. I know that you're perfect. And I hear the testimonies of what's happening with other people in my life. So it must not be you. It must be me. Ever been there? Welcome to the real world. And to that, here's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1. I believe it's about the, um, it might be either the third verse or it might be the sixth verse. It's somewhere in there. But here's what it says. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. I love that. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's kept in heaven or reserved in heaven for you, ready to be revealed at the last time. Although you may have had to deal with some difficulty, right? So what it says there in 1 Peter chapter 1. In these things you greatly rejoice, although you may face difficulty. It doesn't just say difficulty, does it? It says you may face various. Some translations put it this way. You may face all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of trials. These come so. Right? So in this, here's what we find. Let's dig into this, into, 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 into what we find here in 1 Peter chapter 1. In His great mercy, he has, given, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In His great mercy. First of all, understand this. The hope that God gives, that living, that living hope, it is given, not earned. 
It is given, not earned. Given, not earned. Say that with me. Given, not earned. Come on, church. Given, not earned. Say it again. Given, not earned. So the hope that's available to you is not dependent upon who you are. It's not dependent upon what you've done. Let me set you free a little bit. It doesn't even depend on what you believe. Now, how you how you embrace that hope and how you walk in that hope is dependent on what you, leave, what you believe. But the reality that the hope is given to you is not dependent upon what you believe because God freely gives it. So the hope is given to you. And it's already been completely paid for. Right? In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross for my faults and failures, for your faults and failures, right? For our shortcomings, our weaknesses, our difficulties, the guilt that we carry, and the shame that we have to work through. He's already paid the price for it. So the reality of hope is this. It's given, not earned, and the price has already been paid. So genuine hope, living hope, is available to you today. And there's no activity that you have to do to receive it. There's, there, there, there's, there's nothing that you have to ascend to to walk in it. My hope is this, that that will set you free just a little bit this morning. So I, 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 don't have to, I don't have to go to church a little bit more to have more hope. I, I don't have to give a bigger bigger amount in the offering this morning to have more hope. Although you can give a big amount in the offering. We're really comfortable with that. You, I'm just saying. In His great mercy, He has given. I love that. Right? So, so the reality of the hope that's available to us is this. It's given, not earned, and the price has been paid. And not only that, friends, it is, it is complete. This hope that we have, this living hope, it will never perish. Okay? Perish, what does that word mean? Will never die. Okay? It will never spoil. It doesn't go bad. It will never fade. And then what it says there in 1 Peter chapter 1? It will never perish, spoil, or fade. It will never die, it will never go bad, and it will never, never diminish. The hope that you experience when you are at that spiritual high place doesn't change just because you're at a low point. All that's changed is your perspective. And so, I, we don't need God to shift what He is doing. We just need God to put blinders on our left and on our right. Right? <laughs> because what happens is this. We're looking at this and we're looking at that, and, and, and be, our view is widened and our perspective is skewed. The objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. 
See, friend, you're convinced that God is very far from you. You're convinced that God's not there for you. You're convinced that God's hand is short. You're convinced that he's not listening. But what you don't understand is this. The objects in your life are closer than what they appear, and God is closer than what he appears. The problem is you've got too wide of a view, and you're chasing after this, and you're chasing after that, and you're reaching over here, and you're reaching over there. And God says this. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Right? So in this, you greatly rejoice, although you may, you probably, right? Most translations have it in there, you may. It, I think that we really, because we have perspective, we could probably change that, right? And right in the margin of our Bible, you probably will. You may have to endure numerous, various difficulties, trials, hardships for a season. Okay, I think there's a key here. The fact that I go through difficulties is not a sign that I'm hopeless. Hmm. It's a sign that I'm still in His plan. Right? Because the Word of God tells me this. It tells me that I've been given new birth into a living hope that will never perish, spoil, or fade. And, and I can rejoice in knowing that. And I can rejoice knowing that I may, probably, most likely, will endure challenges, difficulties, struggles, hardships for a season. Right? Is that what it says in your Bible? So the fact that there's difficulty, the, the fact that there's challenge in my life is not an indicator of my faith. It's not an indicator of my holiness. Right? It's not an, it's not an indicator of my spiritual environment. Like, I, I, I've heard this. I've heard people that were, in, that were in, in a church, and because they were going through difficulty, they wanted to blame the church. Right? I'm going, through, I'm going through difficulty, I'm going through spiritual warfare, therefore my church must be messed up. I, I, wanna, I wanna tell you something that hopefully will set you free a little bit. I do not wanna be in a church that doesn't have to face spiritual warfare. Because if you're in an environment where there's no spiritual warfare, you're in an environment that the, that the enemy doesn't have a problem with. Let me say that again. If you're in an environment where there's no spiritual warfare, if you're in an environment where you don't have to engage and do battle against the enemy, then you're in an environment that the enemy doesn't care about. And let me tell you something. I want to be hanging around people that are doing battle with the enemy all the time. But if I'm living in that world, you know what that means? It means that for a season, I'm going to face trials, various trials, various circumstances, various issues. 
You might not realize this, but the enemies of God still hate God. And as one of his children, they're not very fond of you. Right? So in this world, you will have trouble. That's what the Word of God says. David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Why would David write that? He would write that because that's the world that he was living in. But in these moments when, when we struggle with the issue of hope, I love what it says in, in the third chapter of Jonah. Jonah says this. He said, when I lost all hope, when I lost all hope, my mind went to the temple of the Lord. And when I lost all hope, without hope, God, I turned to you. Because he's a restorer of hope. Let me say that again. He's a restorer of hope. He's a restorer of hope. And, and what happens is this. When we understand the reality of hope, okay, that it's given, not earned, it's not dependent upon me, that the price has already been paid, that hope is complete, right? It will never perish, spoil, or fade. And that hope is there both because of the circumstances and in spite of the circumstances. And those, those circumstances, here's the thing, those trials, those struggles, what does it say there in 1 Peter chapter 1? In this you great, greatly rejoice, though you may have to face various trials for a season. These trials, these struggles come so that your faith, which is the most valuable thing that you have, can be strengthened, refined, developed, that you might become mature. You know, I, in my life, I have, I, have, I have walked through it. And I, I've had those moments where it just, the struggles just didn't make sense. I fell some 26, 28 feet from a roof in Nicaragua while we were putting, uh, finishing the roof on a school that we were building there in this uh, little vi village called Nueva Guinea, right? So I'm there, I'm, I am on the mission field, I'm giving my time to the Lord, we're, we're, having, we're having devotions every morning, we're, we're saturated in God's presence. I'm serving the Lord, serving the Lord, serving the Lord. I'm now laying in pile of dirt, right, in unspeakable agony, and the nearest hospital, I'm telling you, a witch doctor wouldn't go in there. I, I, that's no exaggeration, okay? It was, it was frightening, and um, it's real easy to go, okay, so Ed, where was your God in that? Six weeks later, 
I went to this pastor's meeting, right? And uh, walked into the room. I, I, when I got back to the States, went to the doctor. The doctor told me this. He said, you've broken your tailbone. Actually, he didn't say you've broken your tailbone. Here's what he said. He looked at me. He said, and, and I know that some of you are going to struggle with this terminology, but it's, it's a medical term because this is what my doctor said. He goes, um, he goes, pastor, you've broken your butt. And I said, what? And he says, well, I could give you a real technical term. He said, but did you understand what I told you? And I said, yes. And he says, that's why I said it that way. And he said, I can put you in a cast, but it's not going to do any good. You know, what are you going to do? Walk around for 18 months in this body cast because you're, he said, here, take this, this wonderful cushion, right? Circular cushion. Anybody else ever see? Yeah. And uh, take this and you're just, you're just going to have to endure for it. It's going to be 18 to 24 months of just a whole lot of pain. Great. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Well, just a few weeks later, there was this, this minister's meeting, the state minister's meeting. I was pastoring the state of Wisconsin at the time. There was a state minister's meeting and I I went and and at the, at the facility they had it, there were all the seats in the front, there were these molded plastic seats, right? And then they had a spot in the back with, with some nice, comfortable sofas for people to sit on. And, uh, and it was a pastor's gathering, so the sofas were all already real full, and uh, the front row was empty. Um, and, and so, uh, but I didn't want to sit in the so- at the sofa anyway. I really wanted to be up front because I wanted to, I wanted to be engaged in worship. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to go up front, and I'm going I'm I'm to go up front, and I'm going to stay up front for at least worship, all right? And then if I need to go back and find a comfy seat or stand, I'll do that. But I want to be up front. I want to be engaged for as long as I possibly can, right? So I went up there, and I'm, 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 I'm engaged in worship, not thinking of a whole lot, because quite honestly, I didn't have pain, pain when I was standing. The pain was when I sat down, obviously. And, uh, and so I made my way uh, up, d- d- engaged in worship, and uh, we sat down, and the, the speaker got through his deal. Uh, he spoke for about 45 minutes. Uh, and, and at the end of this thing, God spoke to me. It didn't even, I didn't even think about it, okay? And God spoke to me, and he said, Ed, where's your pain? And I said, what? He said, where's your pain? I said, oh, wow. Because seriously, I could not sit for more than five, ten minutes at a time without being in just serious discomfort, serious pain. I said, oh, yeah. And he said, I, I, I chose to heal you in this moment to help you to understand that I don't need a choir or emotional hype to do the miraculous. And he said this to me. He said, never doubt my hand Never doubt my sovereignty. I, I will tell you this. I would relive that experience of falling off that roof for the opportunity for God to reveal that truth. I'd relive it over and over and over again. Okay? But now, let me give you, let me give you some additional perspective. So I stand before you this morning as a guy who has experienced the dramatic healing of God in his body. Here's the balance to that. I am deaf in my left ear. More often than not, I hear tones in my left ear. Tinnitus. Okay? You know when you go and they do the hearing test, beep, and you raise your hand? 
Okay, I just have my hand raised all the time. I just, it's, it's, so. Now, the good, the good thing about being deaf in one ear is this, is if, if I want to go to a concert or a movie, like if I'm going with, with if I'm going with Mike Rios, I'm going to have Mike sit on my left side, okay? So as Mike's talking to me through the whole movie, it's not going to bother me in the least, <laughs> right? And if I go somewhere and it's, you know, spending the night and it's noisy, I can just lay on my right side, cover this ear, you people are gone. Okay? But the ear drains. It, I have to clean it out every day. It drains all the time. I'll tell you another thing about me. I deal with serious intestinal issues. Okay? Now, I know what's going to happen. Anytime I mention something like this, I get flooded with home remedies. Please. <laughs> I'm begging you. <laughs> I understand. I appreciate your heart. Okay? I've got enough home remedies from my bride of 32 years. We're good. Okay? And I also, I'll have people come up and go, you know what? I've never prayed for you for healing. I get it. And I appreciate it. Okay? And I have people that say, you know what? You need to pray in this fact. You need to, let me tell you what I've done. The Bible says this. It says that we are to present our requests to God. So this issue of the hearing in my left ear, I gave that to God two decades ago. And it belongs to him. And he can use it however he wants to use it. The issue with my stomach issues, I gave that to God two and a half decades ago. It doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to God. And he can use it however he wants to use it. Because I am convinced of a number of things. One of the things that I'm convinced of is that he who's begun a good work in me will continue that work until it's day of completion. I'm also convinced, I'm convinced that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And I know that I have right standing with God because I've accepted the gift that was made available to me when God became man, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. Okay, so my life is not my own. I belong to him. And I should not be surprised when I may, for a season, endure various struggles, various trials, various hardships, various difficulties. Because here's what I recognize. First Peter 1 applies to me. And 1 Peter 1 also applies to you. But the reality of struggles, the reality of difficulties, the reality of hardships, the reality of challenges, the reality of those voices that speak to you and try to pull you into your old life, it does not negate the fact that God's hope is there, that God's hope is genuine, that it is given, not earned, that the price has been completely paid for, and it will never perish, it will never spoil, it will never fade. See, we struggle with holding on to hope because here's what we want. We want, as we walk in hope, we want our life to be this Pollyanna life where everything works 
perfectly. And, and, and it's really easy for us to live with that and to, and to think that perspective because here's what happens. We look at the people around us, and especially if you're just a Sunday morning Christian, okay, if you're not involved, if you're not connected in body life, which let me just say this on a side note, church works so much better when you're connected beyond the hour and a half that we spend on Sunday morning and you're connected in a small group. If you're here and you're not connected to a small group, we want to help you get connected. Because the church is not about the Sunday morning event. Church works best when we engage in community. And when we engage in community, here's what you, here's what you find out. We don't all look all the time like we look on Sunday morning. I'm just telling you. Okay? That person that's sitting next to you, they're every bit as messed up as you are. Now, some of them are in denial right? And, and, and you know what? It's okay. If they're in denial, let them stay there because at least they're smiling. But we live, we live in the real world, okay? Well, most of us do. We live in the real world, and so because we live in the real world, we face these influences, we face these challenges, we face these hardships. We also, we do battle with the sinful nature. Okay? We all have that. Now, when I was growing up, they would have on the cartoons, right? They'd have those two, those two dudes that appeared, one over the one shoulder, one over the other shoulder, right? Right? And one would be angelic and one would be demonic, you know? Don't steal the cookies. Steal the cookies. Don't steal the cookies. Steal the cookies. Don't steal the cookies. Steal the cookies. And, and there were these conflicting voices. I still have those in my life. I, I do. And not just about cookies, although I do hear them about cookies. And listen, some of you might say, well, Pastor, we can tell by your frame that you listen, into, that you listen to the voice that says, don't eat the cookies. No. <laughs> no, I just hide it well. See, I'm not the originator of my hope, and you're not the originator of your hope. You're not the author of your hope. You're not even the owner of that hope. It's, it's, it's a hope that is made available through God. And there's nothing you can do to destroy that hope. There's nothing you can do to disqualify that hope. Because in His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into this, this inheritance, this promise that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's reserved for you. Yes, you will face difficulty. 
But God will give you everything that you need for every step of the way. God, I I pray right now, I, I pray first, God, for for those that have, that have come here today, and if they were honest, they're at a place of desperation. Life for them is moving very fast. And the hits just keep coming one right after another challenge in the workplace, struggle in the family, health challenge after health challenge, the the, the climb out of financial difficulty, and then a bill that pushes right back down. a heart that has been broken, a loss that is almost too much to bear. And they've come to your house this morning, O God, searching, hoping even against hope, In fact, even right now, oh God, the enemy of their faith is trying to convince them that they're too far gone, that the hole is too deep, that the struggle is too significant. God, I thank you that you have brought them here this morning to speak a prophetic word deep into their spirit and to shift their disposition and to reignite their hope. Speak it over them right now in Jesus' name. I I pray second, God, for the skeptic that's here today. Maybe it's their first time here. Maybe they come all the time And yet, they live in this world of doubt. God, I thank you that you love them so much that in spite of their doubt, that you have drawn them here to allow the curtain to be opened, their blind eyes to be healed. their mind to be moved, and their heart to be changed. And let today be the day, even though all of their questions have been answered, let today be the day that enough of the questions have been answered that they're willing to take that next step in relationship with you. That they would say, today, I'm going to give living hope 
a chance. The third group I pray for, God, is the weary saint. She's here this morning, God, and she loves you. He's he's here today, God, and he, he faithfully serves you. But life has them at a difficult place. And spiritually and emotionally, they're at low tide. Physically, God, they're they're tired. And they've been holding on to a promise. They've been walking in faith. But you've brought them here today, oh God, to breathe hope into them. Living hope. Hope that does not disappoint. Hope that renews. Hope that strengthens. Hope that encourages, revives. Hope that even blesses. I pray that guilt would be stripped away right now in Jesus' name. pray that shame would be destroyed right now in Jesus' name. I pray today, O oh God, that your word, that it would resonate and that we would come to full understanding that in your great mercy you have given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Yes. And so God, we greatly rejoice even though for a period of time we face these struggles, we face these difficulties. Thank you, God, that our hope is not determined by the level of difficulty, but our hope is secured in the anchor of the cross. And so we stand today on your vows and your promises, and we declare this. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Firm and secure. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.